Hello and welcome to another episode of A German and a Catholic Go to a Movie. Now we're continuing our horror movie theme here and we've both watched the movie Barbarian, which is a relatively new horror film. We're going to structure this one slightly differently and we're going to have a non-spoiler section, but we're then going to go into a spoiler section. So we'll tell you now, you can keep listening and it won't blow the story, but I'll let you know when information's coming up, which is going to wreck it. Now, Gregor's just back from his trip to New York and I'm just back from getting a root canal this afternoon. So someone got the good deal there and it wasn't me, <laughs> but I'll get Gregor to give a quick synopsis on this one. Take it away, Gregor. Hey, hey. Yeah. Um, and I also, just for this movie, brought a bit of creepy Airbnb story, which fits right with the theme. Um, so yeah, uh, this movie, Barbarian, I would say is uh, in a way a good old fashioned horror movie with uh, just a bit of enough twists to make it interesting. So the basic premise, the synopsis, in the, at the start of the movie, we're following Tess. She's like a young professional and she has a uh, business meeting in Detroit. And that's why she uh, staying at an Airbnb outside of Detroit or in the further Detroit city, not in the best part of the city, we can say that. And uh, she arrives uh, late in the evening, it's uh, raining, and she notices, uh, I guess, everyone's nightmare if you book an Airbnb. Someone else is already in there. This guy's name is uh, Keith. He's played by Bill Skarsgård, part of the Swedish actor dynasty. After some discussion and realizing there's really nowhere else where she can go, she decides to spend the night there as well. So they basically share the Airbnb. And on that part, I'm going to stop it for now because uh, <laughs> what's happening from there is not uh, exactly what you would expect, but it's at parts very scary and uh, very freaky. So I now, must say, I was very impressed with this film. And well, one of the reasons I did like it is that it's almost like an old school horror movie. Like it's based on a lot of pretty solid acting. And I felt the two leads had a lot of chemistry which I thought really helped. You know, you actually kind of believed that she was this professional girl who knew better and, you know, has arrived in this situation and what should she do? And then the guy seemed equally accommodating and awkward, like a real person. That's what I love. They both seemed like real people and they had a lot of chemistry. Um, I haven't seen either of them in anything before. Did you know she's a Brit? I didn't know that, to be honest, but uh, her name is Georgina Campbell. So I was kind of thinking that's not a, <laughs> a typical, uh, probably American name. I thought she came across as a like completely believable American. I mean, Americans might pick her voice apart because you know it's easier to identify your, the country of your own accent sort of thing. But I just thought she played it really well. And she didn't play it stupid, but she played it as a smart person in an odd situation, making a stupid decision possibly. There was a lot of back yeah. and forth thing with both of them, which I really loved. The other thing I thought was great about this is there were hardly any jump scares. Like a lot of horror movies these days, like say Smile, which we... Smile, yeah. ...was just full of jump scares, like all through it. But this one, it's really spare on them. But what they do do, which is interesting, is there's a lot of um, where the background... What do you call it when the background's blurry and the... And it's clear at the front of that's the uh that's a um microsoft teams call with you jared where the background is blurry all the time <laughs> you're hiding your dungeon in the background <laughs> <laughs> i'm not energetic enough to be a serial killer um and plus no, i have uh, to clean up and i don't want to do that it's probably it, a blur a, a blur of effect it's like a, it's called like you know like a foreshortening or something like that i can't quite okay. remember 
it does have a term. Because it's darkish, you'll see things move in the background and, and you're not quite sure what they are, which I really liked. And the other good thing about yep. it, it wasn't too dark. Like I find a lot of horror films, it's so dark that you're thinking, like Halloween was a bit like that. Yeah. It was so dark, you were like, what? Who's, is, is that? Who's doing? Where are they now? I just felt it was really, there was pretty high production values in this and they made an effort to make it a good looking film and to build a bit of tension and chemistry. And it, I think maybe, I don't know, with younger, did you find it too slow? Because you're younger than me. Did you think it? I didn't think so. So um, I know I was the same. We watched it together. Uh, she was really scared, especially in the, in the first part of the movie. And I think that is due to the slow but very effective build up because you kind of have no idea what's going to happen. Personally, I thought the first part of the movie is even the best part of the movie. Now, that doesn't mean for me that I didn't like the rest. So I read a little bit about the making of the movie and apparently mm-hmm. the director, um, Zach Cracker, is uh, more of a coming from comedy. And you can feel that a bit in the movie. There's definitely some very dark humor in there. He originally only wrote like a short film script just building around that scene, like a um, a girl having to spend a night with a stranger, kind of against mm. her better judgment. Uh, you could really feel that because, as you said, uh, you kind of could really understand her. Like on one way, you were thinking, oh, this is probably dangerous to do that. But on the other hand, she didn't really have a choice. And the guy seemed nice enough and they had like a good chemistry. Mm. So I thought that was very effective. By the way, you know the guy, um, Bill Skarsgård, so... First of all, he's part of the Skarsgård family, so his father's a famous actor. His brother, Alexander Skarsgård, mm. is a pretty famous actor. He is actually a Pennywise, the clown in It. Damn it, I was trying to think why he looked quite familiar. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm not sure if Airbnb sponsored this film, because they do actually directly refer to the double booking as an Airbnb, which I was quite surprised about. So they obviously paid for it, you know, some sort of promotion, because I just don't, they wouldn't use the name otherwise. I was surprised as well because I thought in the beginning when she calls the company, uh, I thought she used <laughs> a different name, but then they really referred to it at least as an Airbnb later. So yeah, that is uh, maybe not necessarily an advertisement for the company. I'm not sure they paid for that, to be honest. <laughs> well, well, they would have had to do it to use it. They've got to have at least get permission because you just can't say. Yeah, I guess. And I'm they repeated so it multiple right. times. They didn't yeah. say it once. Do you actually have any Airbnb horror stories of your own, Gregor? I have one. <laughs> Not quite as dramatic as the film, but I do have a slightly awkward Airbnb story. But we'll start off with yours. I find, like, look, in general, I find the Airbnb ratings are often quite suspiciously positive where i'm like are these real reviews especially if there are not a lot of reviews and uh, or were the people kind of seduced while they were staying there i don't get it so we had one of these airbnbs we were of course uh, once again booking way too late so our last night in new york we had booked an apartment in brooklyn still heavily priced and we were thinking oh yeah it's just on the corner of hipster part of Brooklyn, you know, like the Williamsburg parts oh, that yeah. you have. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> when we were going there, there's a big parallel to the movie because the surrounding of the Airbnb was like quite scary and like, yeah, I have to say really fucked up. And let's just say we only took the Uber uh, while we were staying in this Airbnb. We wouldn't we wouldn't even walk to the metro. Was it like um, a crack day? Like... Surrounded by crack dens. <laughs> it was literally, there were around, across the house, there was like a kind of a 
camp of like homeless people. We and we took the bus there. <laughs> no, <laughs> Look, I mean it's an it's an exotic experience in a way. And uh, at the bus station, there was like a teenager gang uh, harassing people, including us. Didn't really happen anything to us, but uh, there was a couple next a bit a bit away from us. But the girl that just splashed water in her face or whatever, and it was like really uncomfortable. Then we went into the bus. <laughs> Look, nobody did anything to us or something. Look, all fair and square, but this whole place cost over $200 a night or something. And it was like, uh, that's ridiculous. That That's just ridiculous. And then you see like there's ratings and the ratings are so positive and you're like, the place wasn't even that great. And especially the surrounding, it's like, ugh. I felt a bit like the girl when um, when she realizes which area she's in. But I would have to say overall, be careful with Airbnb, especially in the US, I would probably say. What's your story, Jared? Well, mine was before Airbnb existed, but it's the same sort of thing. And I've actually been in the same position as the girl in the movie, except worse. <laughs> Picture me as a plucky young 27-year-old backpacker going around Europe on my Euro path. Um, <laughs> so five years ago. <laughs> close, close. Times that by about five. We went to Barcelona. Barcelona. I can't say. Oh, that. muy bien, Geraldo. Um, so we went to Barcelona, and I met this girl on the train, and her name was Erica, and she was from America. So I just always remember her because she was Erica from America. So Erica, if you're <laughs> out good. there, thanks for a good time in those days. And I don't mean that rudely. Like we decided we'd try and get a place together because neither of us knew anybody, and we were both travelling alone. So we went to this hostel, and they said, "Yes, we've got a room." for two and we were both a bit oh you know should we because you know you don't know them they don't know like and these are in the days when there weren't really mobile phones so you could get stuff stolen and it's really hard to replace it because you had to actually physically go to the embassy and sort it out you know it wasn't like it is now mm. so anyway we get up we go up to the room and it's really small and there's a double bed and a single bed and she immediately throws her things on the single bed and says <laughs> i'm taking this <laughs> which is you know what you would expect a girl to do in that situation yeah and so then, you know, when she's lying on her single bed and I'm lying on the double bed talking. A few hours later, it was about eight o'clock at night. Another backpacker walks in and they booked him into the bed with me. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, lovely. So I, I said, oh, have you got the right room? And he went, yeah. And then he looked mm. as shocked as me. So I spent three nights sleeping in a double bed with a guy I didn't know. I've read a few reviews of, you know, Barbera and people say, this is so unrealistic. She'd just walk out of that house. And I'm like, well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought that was quite realistic that you could be cornered into doing it, you know, and just yeah. lazy and just think, I don't want to do anything else. You know, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. they're not going to kill me, but you never know. Um, so I have been in that situation, but I wasn't killed or anything. I just went to... It was one of those traveller things where you travelled together and got quite close and then everybody went their separate ways and said they'd keep in touch and never did. Sometimes this is how you meet your uh, best travel buddies. That is maybe a, a thing that Airbnb has changed uh, and has taken away a little bit these uh, spontaneous um, get-togethers. Yeah, I think what else has destroyed it? Like when I was last in the US, which was just before COVID, about four years ago now, I guess. I did spend a couple of the last nights I was there. I ran out of money and I stayed in a hostel in Los Angeles. And I have to say, what's ruined it, well, not ruined it, but changed it a lot, is mobile phones. Because before you didn't have a mobile phone, so you'd sit in the lounge room and you'd have to talk to people. Yeah. Whereas now everybody was on their mobile phones, which is fine. You know what I mean? So was I. 
But I thought it was a little bit sad because you could see people on their own wanted to connect with people. And I even had people that were on their own be nice to me, you know, and I was older than them. You know, people would come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to go up and get some food. You know, what are you doing? That need for human connection is still there. But unfortunately, I think a lot of mobile phone communication has taken it away. Yeah, but at the same time, it's made it safer and easier. And it's often the only place where you then have Wi-Fi. So, of course, everyone's yeah. even more on the phone there because, uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean. And I can completely understand it, that even when we were traveling in the US, as soon as you're in the Airbnb, you're going to use the Wi-Fi <laughs> because as a European, you don't really have a connection there. And what we're going to do is we're going to move into the spoiler part of our review. So all you people that haven't seen it prior to this, you better tune out now and go and watch would it. You, maybe before we move into it, uh, would you recommend it? Uh, you seem quite it happy great. with the movie. Well, yeah. let, let me just say I agree with you, Jared. I would also uh, really recommend the movie. Yeah, really but, good little movie. But it is it is a horror movie. So I've tried to get a movie night going here with, with the people, and you would think the people in the Nordics... They have a super cold, depressing winter at the moment. It's two degrees and snowing. So uh, they are not going to be scared by anything. But you would be surprised how hard it is to find people to watch a horror movie with. That's across the board. Like, I remember when you moved in, I remember saying, oh, do you want to watch a horror movie? And you went, yeah. And I was like, great, because no one wants to watch them, you know. So spoilers starting now. But basically, I thought it was like half a good movie, but the half was so good when the other half of the movie takes over, which wasn't as good. And the first part was so good for me that it, I was willing to forgive. And then it just becomes a fairly typical horror movie with yeah. a ridiculously strong monster and um, that survives, you know, jumping off a water tower. And, yeah. you, you know, just a lot of... We should probably go in and tell you what happens in the next bit. Couple Keith and Tess basically work out that there's a mutant woman living in some caves that have been carved out at the bottom of the house. And she's, of course, murderous. And she has a fetish for babies. So she kidnaps people who are in the Airbnb and locks them up and keeps them as babies. And then they eventually die in some way. You know, she either kills them or they starve or something happens. So it's a pretty radical turn because you think it's a drama about, you know, can she trust him? Can he trust her? And then all of a sudden they find down in the basement that there's a secret door. And then eventually that leads them to this horrific nude woman who's like all mutated <laughs> because... Who is who is played by a tall man, by the way. What's it? Yeah. Prosthetics, yeah. Yeah, you would have to be because, yeah, the size, I believe. That. She's very tall, yeah. She's super you wouldn't tall. think that inbreeding creates uh, such a tall uh, person. You'd, you'd think someone who's basically inbred and lives in a basement would be somewhat more feeble and weak. <laughs> you would think so. It doesn't so. appear to eat anything, and oh, God knows how they got any food. <laughs> and this mutated woman is basically the result of a, a sicko guy in the 70s, 80s started kidnapping women and having sex with them and inbreeding, and the result is this woman. Do you know that our neighbours actually, uh, so I'm talking from a German perspective here, there's a very infamous case, you might have heard of it, uh, The guy's called um, Josef Fritzl. Grüße, Grüße an die Österreicher. He basically kept his daughter under his, his farm in a basement like that and uh, raped her and um, had children with her. Yeah, that's the macabre truth behind it, I guess. In the movie, uh, I think it's implied that the guy even has children with his grandchildren. So I guess uh, that's what the multiple inbreeding does, creates a, a huge guy with prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> But I just felt that the second half, it basically 
Justin Long, who was in the really good horror movie Drag Me to Hell. He's not so good in this one. We, we should maybe explain, sorry, Jared, that okay. so basically the couple in the beginning, they discover this cave, then um, Keith gets brutally murdered by this woman and then the movie just cuts off and starts completely new and we are uh, following Justin Long now. <laughs> <laughs> who is like a super douchebag uh, hashtag me too actor there and we find out he owns the place has been renting it out via a agency no fucking idea what's going on there and due to a me too scandal he is forced to sell the place and goes there i guess for the first time since a long time and then he becomes the newest victim that's kind of where the movie takes a huge shift in tone i would say and you and you didn't like that part so much. Um, oh, by the way, Gregor did mention it, but Tess is still alive and is kept in a cage by the woman too. And she eventually puts the Justin and the mutant woman who doesn't have a name basically gets Justin Long and throws him in this sort of caged area with Tess. And then they're plotting to get out. I just felt it turned into a lot of horror movie cliches like superhuman strength. A lot of lapses in logic. It still was entertaining. Sort of slightly icky, gruesome things. Female monster has like a baby fetish, so gives them like a baby bottle to suck on. And, you know, hairy baby bottle. Mm. Yeah. And then says, baby, you know, in this horrible (laughs) voice, you know, when it's all stroking their faces and stuff like that. We won't go right into what happens at the end, but it just goes completely off the rails towards the end and has a fairly typical horror movie finale where it's a fight to the death, and the obvious bad guy, which is you know, Justin Long, dies by being a coward and leaving the girl to be killed. But uh, I found kind of an amazing scene, and I wish a little bit they would have gone through with it. You know, I wish on one hand I was like, no way, and now the only one surviving is Justin Long. It would have been amazing, but I bet they did some test screenings, and the people were like, no, you can't do that. That's terrible. And then, yeah, they had to make Tess survive in the end, uh, of course. After she'd been shot (laughs) and fallen off a water tank. Having said that, despite its flaws, it's definitely a pretty solid horror. It almost made me think that it was like a Twilight Zone episode. Some of you who are a bit older remember the Twilight Zone, where it would often be like 35 minutes of a story and it would be pretty tight, but it would have like a really loose ending. And it sort of made me wish that she had gone into the darkness and started screaming and then it ended there. But of course, I think people, modern audiences want, they want some sort of reveal. And I get it because I do too a bit. But I do remember when horror movies didn't have that reveal. Sometimes, particularly old ones, something would happen and it wouldn't be explained. One of the greatest examples that a lot of people might have seen if they're movie buffs is Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. And the ending is not telegraphed or explained. Very dark. It just ends. And, you know, like... The lead woman throws herself out of a building for no apparent reason, and that's the end of the film, and it's not explained in any way. But once again, I just don't think audiences, modern audiences want that. What I did like about the appearance of Justin Long, in a way, was that um, suddenly there was much more humor in the movie. Now, you can argue they overdid it partially, Mm. but I found it refreshing that you are like following this complete douchebag throughout a horror movie. So, you know, normally in the beginning you have, of course, this sympathetic um, Tess and and Keith and uh, you're scared for them. And then you have this guy and you're like, on one hand, you're rooting for him. You want him to save Tess, so to say. And on the other hand, he's such a terrible person in the end when he's like, okay, I've done a bad thing. Um, I think I'm a good person. I've just done a bad thing. I I can fix this now. I'm going to do a good thing now. (laughs) 
And then he pushes that was good. her off. Right, the roof. That. Look, I'm not uh, I'm not American and I'm not too much into the Justin Long hate. Uh, I remember in Family Guy, there were a lot of Justin Long jokes. And I feel there's a bit of a thing when he was big in the, I don't know, 2000s, that people just always kind of hated him and he always plays these terrible roles. So I think they go full into this and uh, play with this cliche. Did you notice that as well, or was it for you? Could it? Yeah, oh, the tone changes dramatically, and the whole look of it changes too. Like the colors change; it's all really brightly lit for the first few bits. When previously it was all at yeah. night, like it's it's literally like two episodes of a television series spattered yeah. up to each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Once again, I thought it was a success. Like it's not without its flaws, and there's a lot of lapses in logic, like a lot. Once again, I agree as well. I like the movie. So, I mean, we are always uh, a bit picking out the flaws because I think it's fun to talk about it. Don't want to sound too negative. But I thought this movie brought back a thing where I thought we are a bit over that in good modern horror movies. And that is the thing of people doing fucking stupid things, which you would never do in real life. Like, for me, it took me even a little bit out of the movie when Tess discovers this whole basement and she just decides to have a look in there and then even worse peace comes home and instead of like following her advice and going out and calling the police he's like no let me have a look for myself and he goes even deeper into this creepy basement i'm like no way come on what no well she did and call he... the police they had that moment where the police showed up and didn't believe her they were acting like she was like some sort of crazy crack addict but she had great teeth <laughs> yeah it was a little bit borderline. I mean, and I actually read, I don't know if it's true, that the Jordan Peele, is that the guy that did us and stuff? He's actually had a hand in this too. Yeah, I think, th and that's what I wanted to say when you said it's like a Twilight episode, um, because Jordan Peele, I think he also directed some of the newer when, when Twilight came back. That, that was uh, terrible. Okay, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that. But he's done some good movies, especially Get Out is great. And, and Us, um, I think it's pretty good as well. And no, I still have to see. But um, you can feel his hand there because he likes to do these twists and this sublime. And the director, I think, is friends with him and they worked a bit together. And that director, which I thought was a very good summary of how the movie works, he said in the end he, he wanted to make a... David Fincher movie on the surface so when they are in the house when they are on top and more of a Sam Raimi um, movie when they oh, really? go into the into the basement and yeah I would say that describes it pretty well yeah now you mention it it certainly falls into place for sure and it just and and as you said it just becomes a little bit too conventional towards the end when yeah. when the monster leaves the surface and it becomes a little bit this yeah she hits it with the car and so on and so on i mean you went into this but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> survives everything yeah <laughs> and then eventually after you know being superhuman yeah she just gets shot yeah after, uh, and then you think well why isn't she surviving that but I am wondering, um, I think we will be seeing much more kind of these Airbnb horrors because I feel like there haven't been so many yet. It's, it's a genre which you can, I think, use very well in many different uh, regards. And I mean, for example, one movie we've seen is uh, from Dave Franco. I think it's called The Rental. We've seen it in Australia, if you remember. It's where these two young couples go into this uh, huge apartment on the, oh, yeah. on the ocean. That is very uh, also like a what what if an Airbnb stay goes very wrong, let's say it that way. So I, I think there will be some interesting uh, concepts coming. 
<laughs> so how many Sterne would you give this one? I would give it three and a half out of five Sterne. I'm going to give this two lots of Sterne ratings. So we're going to have four out of five Sterne for the first half and two and a <laughs> half out of five for the second. But overall, if you're a horror movie fan, it's pretty easy to enjoy. And it's definitely one of the better ones that I've seen lately, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I have to say anyway, um, because you, you said uh, recently that you haven't seen so many good horror movies this year, but to be fair, I find it's a pretty good horror year now. Maybe it's starting to pick up just since one or two months, but there are a lot of good horrors out. And we talked about a lot of them in our podcast. We did. Oh, well, I am going to watch You're Not My Mother, which is an Irish horror film, So, which I think is based on Irish folklore. So that could be an interesting angle. And that's my next thing. But Reiki mate. <laughs> I was just speaking Irish. Sorry, it's a, it's a Gaelic language you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I'm an Australian. I only speak Australian, so... <laughs> With a little bit of Spanish. No, I my, uh, I think the uh, um, the Irish language is uh, not uh, really an English language uh, either because when I was in Australia, there are a lot of Irishmen and I didn't understand yeah. any one of them. Yes, I can always remember. I nearly got into an Irish horror movie myself. We went to an Irish pub and they had a jukebox and my friend put on Billy Idol's Hot in the City and played it four times in a row and these Irish guys <laughs> wanted to punch us out. But that's... <laughs> 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 well, it wasn't funny at the time, I can tell you, but it was funny afterwards. Do you think we should do a Christmas movie next, Gregor? Comedy? What do you reckon? Let's do, reckon? Let's do a Christmas movie. We've uh, tortured the yeah. people with uh, strong but brutal horror, so maybe it's time for uh, torturing them with a terrible Christmas movie. Anything spring to mind? I know there's a new Lindsay Lohan one that's getting a lot of publicity. Oh, and... God, Jesus Christ. I, don't, I, don't, I think could... it's a Hallmark movie, you know, where it's like <laughs> people hate each other, then fall in love over a crazy Christmas story. But there is that thing with Will, Fer Will Ferrell. What's that called? What's that and called? Uh, yeah, uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds' uh, Christmas musical. I don't know the name spontaneously, but um, well, we'll see. have a look around for one, and we'll, we'll have a German and a Catholic go to a Christmas movie. So there's some. This will be our very special Christmas episode. We might do a couple of Christmas movies, depending on what happens. And we're gonna sing a German uh, Christmas chants. You'll have to. Well, I'll do it if you oh. show me what it is. But you know, like. But well, we could sing a, an Australian Christmas song, Six White Boomers, an Australian Christmas song about Santa loses the reindeer and so gets a bunch of white kangaroos to take him around the world. <laughs> yeah, okay, Gregor, well, we can talk about that, yeah. And I'm glad you survived New York and I've survived the first part of my root canal. Incidentally, if anyone's getting root canal, it doesn't actually hurt that much, I have to say. I'm only in phase one and it didn't really hurt at all. It's just like getting a feeling that goes for an hour and three quarters. So... There's another spoiler for you. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert for all those people whose teeth fall out when they get older. Okay, well, we'll be in touch, and thanks for tuning in, folks. Bye-bye. Let's do it.